Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I feel like this is going to be a three-hour podcast. No, <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Record Magazine podcast here in China. I have been joined by a special co-host this time. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do.、It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile. dot com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Sorry to say, Caitlin, but you've been replaced while in China. Even though you speak Chinese, by she does. Yes, really Wait, badly. You can't speak before I say. Sorry, sorry. I'm just kidding. Yes, you can.、Uh, <laughs> by the our fashion correspondent who is now filling in for Caitlin Thompson, the one and only Andrea Pekovic. Hi guys. Hi, hi, hi. Golf cap, golf cap, golf cap. Yes.、Um, standing ovation. Yes. In the in the room. In the room. Ten. Just so you know, I was in my robe. Um, I, you know what? I wanted to make an Instagram story, knocking on your door, and in the last moment, I was like, "Fuck! What if she's nude? I can't do that." Why、so、would I, I first、it. of all answer my door nude? I mean, I know. I mean, listen, I've seen worse in my lifetime, so. Oh, that's really fr- thanks a lot. I mean, first of all, we have seen each other nude. Let's just get that out in the open. We have been in the locker room together, but from a distance. But second of all, I don't go normally, even though I know you, to the door nude. All right, I might have been nude under my robe, but then I thought at the last second, nah, I'll get more comfortable because I like to sit with my legs、yeah. spread, and I thought you'd be a little bit uncomfortable. Listen, Australians are weird. They are weird people. I like them, I love them, but they are weird, and I'd rather not risk it. So I turned my phone off, and I just knocked like a regular ass person. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, good. Um, first of all, you you have to do at one point a Australian fashion. We'll do that when you're、oh, Australian, okay? Because I'm really want to hear what. Because I have opinions on that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think、um, I'm not su- I'm not surprised about it. Beach <laughs> is not a good fashion thing. So wherever there is beach, the fashion tends to be terrible. Yeah,、Maybe. because nobody wants to dress at the beach. They want to wear. A, yeah, they a, just want to wear like old cloths and quilts. There's nobody wearing a quilt in Australia <laughs> to the beach. Okay, we wear a swimsuit or a cosy, depending on, or bathers, depending on where you are from Australia. Anyway, all right. So let's get into this. Let's get、yes. into post. We are in Asia. We're in China. We are in Guangzhou. We are.、Um, you took a not direct flight from New York, like I did, like a normal person. You decided to fly via Germany, Germany. to go and see mums and dads. Yeah, I didn't see my mum in so long. You know, I'm a mama's, mama's and papa's. Yeah, but、girl. you can't blame this on your dad because your dad was in New York. Yeah, he、okay. was there. I, my mom was it, the way it was planned. My mom was supposed to come too, and then she couldn't. She had an important appoint, appointment, so that's why I had to fly back and see her for 
12 hours and then you're out of your mind but anyway good for you you're a good daughter thanks but it is we are in china but we want to talk and get into a little bit of the questions that people send us on twitter and also Mm. get into uh, just a little sort of update after the u.s open yeah um and what we both thought of what happened at the u.s open so let's get into a little bit um I want to talk a little bit about sort of the story of Coco Goff and what happened mm-hmm. with her coming out after Wimbledon um, and, you know, the sensation of her sort of story. Mm. How do you think that that sort of went? I mean, I know how it went when it, when it comes to ESPN and the yeah. ratings that they got for her matches, but what do you think about, like, everything that happened with her? Well, I don't like it at all. I might be the only person thinking that. And because I practiced with her before all of that happened for two hours in Miami, we, she was working with Phil Simmons, a friend of mine at that time. So This is when? This was in Miami before this year, before okay, the Okay, so we're Wimbledon. in December. Yes. Pre-season. Well, no, no, no. It was during the tournament. Okay. I was there so, very early. So March, March time. Exactly. This, this I was there very early. I think she had a wild card for the qualies, and we practiced a bunch of times, and like... You know, when you're there early, we did a lot of cross-court drills, just drills in general, played points, and I talked to her dad, and he told me, oh, she's still playing this juniors, but I want her to play more with um, with older, or not older, but more experienced players, because I think that will raise her game, because now she's physically so strong, and mm-hmm. she is. Yeah. Oh my God, I've never seen and felt anything like this. Yeah. And I've played both Williams, I've played Kleisters in her peak, I've played them all, but physically, this girl is an absolute beast. Yeah, she is. As is incredible. And um, and I told him, I remember telling him, like, oh, she should definitely go right away to the seniors and play WTA tournaments. Because you could tell that she's the type of player that plays better when she plays against better players. Because mm-hmm. she needs rhythm. And in juniors, you know how it is. Somebody hits a winner, then they hit three into the fence. Yeah. And her, I can see no her, discipline, right? No Genius discipline at all. Discipline. And I can see her being somebody who adapts to other players' game or to the levels. Maybe yeah. not to the games, but to the levels. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I knew she was going to be a huge champion right away. I just felt it. I felt it in her. Um, how heavy her ball was, mm. her attitude, her physicality. With she was fourteen oh, when I practiced yeah, with her. I right. think it was. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that it would be, be this fast. And that's why my concern is that it was too fast. Mm. I think she has a good head on her shoulders, yeah. and I think she's still gonna be an amazing champion. I just fear that this was a little too early, and that she might lose a little discipline lose a little focus too much attention i would have rather she develops her game with time on her hand there mm-hmm. are still aspects i mean can you believe how good she is and there are still so many aspects that there that, that can be worked worked on and i wonder if you're in the spotlight this much if you can work on these things yeah especially technique i yeah. think you have your opinions on that too. I would work with her on her forehand mm-hmm. a little bit. And if you're that much in the spotlight, I don't know if you can take the time to do that. Well, yeah, because it's like, well, the good thing is that, the, you know, we get this conversation going on about the age eligibility. And I mm. think, thank God for the age yes, eligibility. Because, definitely. Because look, every single tournament wants her, particularly mm. in America. But I mean, every tournament wants her because she draws. I mean, huge amount of fans. I mean, Washington was unbelievable. She was mm. playing on an outside court and it was just packed. And her doubles with Katie McNally was packed. I mean, look at the US Open yeah. crowds that she was drawing. So with the amount of pressure and like eyes on her and the expectation, um, that was very unprofessional. I left my text message. <laughs> um, so, well, it actually wasn't unprofessional because I am here in China uh, coaching Sam Stokes and she just let me know who her opponent is going to be. Oh, okay, good. Um, so she plays Martin Kova. So oh, there you okay. go. Thoughts on her? We'll get that later. Uh, I don't know her that well, but okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that the, the thing is that, you know, to have that many eyes on you and the expectation is mm. like that she's going to win everything. And it's yeah. like, she's 15. Like, and let's she has calm beaten down. some great players. Yeah. She has be- she's beaten good players. Yes. I mean, no, no doubt about it. Venus she is amazing. Huge. This is no doubt about it. Yeah. She's amazing. Her charisma, her demeanor on court, she shows emotions, which is very important. That's why she draws the crowds. She just looks amazing. She looks like an athlete on court. I love to look at... 
you know, it doesn't matter if it's women or men, but when you look at athletes, you want to be inspired, right? You yeah. want to look at them and you want to feel like they are the superheroes of real life. And she looks like that. So yeah. she's amazing. But still, she has beaten very good players, but not great players. And the great players like Osaka and Halle both owned her in yeah. both matches. I think Which she is would, understandable. Absolutely. Is absolutely. Understandable. I think she will beat them all. Yeah. But she needs some time. And that's why I was really... But America tends to do that. Yeah. They tend to overhype their players well, very I mean, early. They want, who doesn't want another champion? I mean, yeah. geez, you've been hanging on to you know what Serena has done for... You know, and Venus have done for 15 years. But, you know, in the context of everything on the big story, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Mm. She has so much to look... You know, fans have so much to look forward to of this kid. Hopefully, yes. I think the age eligibility rule is great for I her. I think so too. Because, yes. as you said, she'll be able to develop her game away from the spotlight yes. of tournaments and cameras being on her. Mm. She can work on the forehand, she can work on the serve more, she can work on her volleys. There's so many things that she can get better at. Um, and what a great upswing. And, yeah. cool. it's, and it's she's huge. already and so good. She's, yeah. And I think above all, I want to stress that not only is she a great player, but she's a great kid. She mm. is, she looks you in the eye. Yes. She talks to you, you know, you spent time around yes, her. Definitely. Um, she's incredibly respectful. Um, so I just, you know, hopefully she stays on that track cause she's going to be a superstar. Um, I think what happened on that Arthur Ashe court with Naomi mm. and was unbelievable in so mm. many ways because that could that was that could be very detrimental to her to mm-hmm. have gone through that um because those they can leave scars mm. things like that so let's hope that you know the next match out and the next big court she's able to sort of learn from it and grow mm. from it and not have it affected too much because my god it was a lot it was a lot i mean bloody hell there was a lot going on i mean it was match. like the yeah. final of like the greatest match of all time it was like you know third round of the yeah. US open it was like oh my god the the ESP, the build But maybe you can talk about a little bit on, um, because I'm looking at it from a solely per player's perspective, yeah. right? I've been through much, much less than that, but I've been through it a little bit. And Germany also looking for the next star after Steffi Graf, which it never will have again. Yeah. But still, I've been through a little bit, like let's say 0.5%, and it affected me, and I'm a gra- well-grounded person, yeah. I have great parents. So maybe you you can maybe talk about how it is from an ESPN, from the broadcaster's yeah. point of oh. view. What What is it about her that jaws in the crowds, and that, that's just, ESPN is just, I mean, they just milked, Oh, the heck out of this whole I'll tell you story why. because her, the ratings were huge when she was playing yeah it was you could not have scripted it any better um you know and so from their perspective she's a great story it's a great story mm. and then it's an american story mm. um it's again you know a superstar that it's all over every single newspaper every single tv show i mean it was huge what happened at wimbledon mm. huge and then to bring it then straight straight to the U.S. Open, yeah, essentially the next biggest timing. tournament, it was unbelievable. So, mm. you know, from a television standpoint, it was massive. And mm. for women's tennis, it's huge. So, as I said, I think we'll put a button on this conversation with Coco to say, develop the game, yes. keep working hard. Yes. Um, you know, that was a learning, huge learning experience on the biggest court in the world against, you know, a two-time Grand Slam champion mm. who, FYI, about four years earlier went through a bit of a breakdown herself when she lost to Madison Keys. Do you remember oh, that match when no, she was at 5-1 in the third? Oh, I re- do remember that And she lost match. and, like, cried. She had an easy volley that she... She cried yes. off the court and you're like, oh, my God, she was, I believe, maybe 16 or 17 at yeah, the time. Yeah, I remember that. And we thought, well, this kid's so good, but, whoa, that might be devastating for mm. her. Well, guess what? Three or four years later, she won the tournament yeah. so you know keep keep working coco keep keep building on what you've done because it's it was it's unbelievable and and like i said nicest kid in the world and mm. the parents are so sweet mm. so it's a great great story for tennis hopefully she can keep um building on that uh, on top of katie mcnally what a great tournament she had mm. like we kind of saw the resurgence of serving volleyers yeah you know, katie mcnally <laughs> we had you know taylor townsend yes. that was another great oh, story that was a great story i, I mean, love the taylor townsend but speaking of Taylor Townsend, I mean, I watched Halep, and this was to me really strange with the type of player she is. Yeah. Somebody who is a counter puncher, who relies on not missing many balls, who relies on her footwork. 
And she in Wimbledon, she couldn't lose a point. I've watched all her. I, after the second round, I said to my coach, Halep's going to win this tournament. And he was laughing at me. And I was like, I saw her play. She cannot miss a ball. Yeah. And players don't know how to. And grass has become slower. So she retrieved so many balls. I didn't know how anybody, except for Serena, blasting 50 aces through her, could beat her. And she did win in the end. And then I see her at the U.S. Open, and she's so erotic, and that is so strange to me. Erratic or erotic? Because that came up both ways. I mean, she made a lot of unforced errors. Sorry for my German accent, guys. (laughs) No, we're not sorry. That was perfect. It's like, she was? Oh, let her know that she was erotic. Maybe that's the problem at the U.S. Open. No, it's true. I don't know. It's something about the U.S. Open... um, I don't know if it's, it's the balls or the conditions, mm. but she struggles there. I mean, look, mm. she's had pretty crappy draws too. I mean, Kanepi, yes. she doesn't have a great record against. She lost to you last year. The year before, she lost to Sharapova first yeah, round. So she's had some pretty crappy draws yeah. against people who hit the ball big and flat and hard. Yeah. So people that don't give her a lot of rhythm, mm-hmm. people like you that yeah. love, like don't like playing her because you give her great rhythm yeah. because you don't miss. Yeah. Whereas three players in three consecutive years, that is big true. servers, yeah. not a lot of rhythm, and if she's not hitting the ball well, mm-hmm. they're going to hit her off the court. Mm. So, you know, that's what happened. Mm. And, you know, Taylor was just chipping and coming in and hitting returns and coming oh, in. You know, if Halep's so not serving well, it's a second serve that you can... It's actually an approach shot. Yeah. If you have the balls to come in, guess what? Not many players have the balls to hit and come in because mm. they don't volley well. Taylor, she's going to hit and come in. And, you know, she's going to... That's what she wants to do. Mm. And then on top of it, she's serving and volleying with a lefty serve. Yeah, that's so, so hard. Halep's great because she hits most returns through deep into the baseline. Yes. Starts the point off yes. against a serve and volley. Yeah, that's like... He- that's heaven. Mm. We saw that with Katie McNally serving and volleying against Serena. Serena. I mean, Serena's normally returning that ball within a foot of the baseline, and that's a bitch for people that are staying yeah. back. But guess what? For a serving volleyer, like I played serving volley, that's the return you want to see. That's the you best return you can get. Yeah. Cross court or through the middle of the court. Yeah. But for a baseliner, that's like, oh, Jesus, i got to start the point now on my back foot through the middle mm-hmm. of the court. This is a nightmare. Um, so I think the mistake that Halep made in that match and probably the only mistake that she ended up making was that she just forgot that she could actually hit a lob, lob. in tennis. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, Tyler I mean, was closing the net. And you know what? As a serve volleyer, like I was, if you're not going to lob me, I'm going to close on the net yes, every time. exactly. And until you lob me at least twice, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep coming. Right. And Taylor, good good for her, kept going. And I talked to Taylor after the match. She's like, I wasn't getting lobs, so why not close? Mm-hmm. So I think that tactically she... I don't understand how she, why she didn't adjust to that mm-hmm. or see that. I think she's got such an unbelievable backhand that yeah. she felt that she could hit through anyone. Yeah. But as I said, as a servant volleyer, the That's harder the you hit it, yeah. the better it is for us. Mm-hmm. So unless you're putting shape on the ball and getting it below the net mm-hmm. or lobbing, we're going to chop mm-hmm. people like that. So, I mean, I was just really happy for Taylor in the end to actually get that win because yeah. she had chances and match point against Burton. I know, I saw that match. And Uh, she had an easy drop shot. uh, No, she she did a drop shot instead of going... She should have ripped and come in on it. She started hitting a drop shot on grass. What the fuck? And I was just like, oh my God. I know, I was so happy for Taylor too. But I think it also speaks for Taylor's um, game style that she put Halep in such a mindfuck really yeah. that she couldn't just step back yeah, and go, oh, took the whoa. emotions out of yeah. the equation who's and she is one of the best players and not one probably one certainly best going three in, players yeah, in, in the, the world. world right now and she couldn't put the emotions aside to go like okay she's okay. coming in what am i going to do she was so panicked and so yeah. nervous and that speaks a lot for her tale and i think that's what players who play serve and volley you could see it with Serena a little bit too against McNally McNally, that's what they do to you they make you feel hectic and stressed and rushed and you can't think for yourself anymore and you're like what am I going to do and that's the worst once you get into this phase where like what am looking at your coaching I'm like what am I going to do exactly (laughs) that's um I think that's uh, I would have got a warning as a coach if I'd been her coach you would have yelled in I would have just yelled it out but then probably that would be raised my eyebrows like hello we know the coaching techniques it's like lob i know the old eye roll that's yeah, the yeah, lob yeah. okay like, i mean i would have i wouldn't have cared i would have got a warning I but mean, that probably would have been a good four and a half grand spend yeah, because uh, exactly. if she wins the match and probably if she plays two, By lobs, hitting two lobs exactly. exactly she's probably going to win the match um that's exactly the four and a half grand you want to have right I'd, that go my down player the drain said, oh yeah i'll pay the, don't worry i'll pay the fine i've got the lob <laughs> 
But anyway, I think what it also shows, you know, when people say, oh, you can't come into the net anymore, the game has changed, bullshit. You have to learn how to come into the net mm-hmm. and what to come into the net on. And you have to learn basic, basic technique on volleys. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you can win a lot of points. And I don't care what anybody says, you can still come into the net and win tennis matches. I mean, the men's final was a perfect example. Excuse me, Rafael fucking Nadal was serving and volleying on second serves because Medvedev was standing 25 feet behind yes. the baseline. So that's called adjusting, okay? So for anybody out there that's teaching kids how to play tennis, please teach volleys. Mm-hmm. The, one of the reasons why Rafael Nadal could serve and volley is because the guy can volley. Yeah. He actually has good technique on He's his volleys. He's a great doubles player when he plays. He plays the the volley drop shot like nobody else I know from the t- ATP from the t- okay yeah. Roger okay but um, I I put him up against Roger with volleys yeah. I think he technically is very good volleyer mm-hmm. and this is a thing that I want to stress to everybody everybody teaching kids teach them to to be- hit basic volleys because when you have to adjust to a player a certain player like a Halep like a Rafael Nadal like a Medvedev like whoever it is it's standing 25 feet behind the baseline and you know, when you can't hit a ball through them, how are you going to win the point? You've got to come into the net. The next great tennis player will be somebody who can play everywhere in the mm-hmm. court. And that's the sort of area that someone like a Coco Goff, I mean, if she can, can develop work her, on, yeah. her volleys and things like that. When you're hitting the ball at 100, you know, 90 miles an hour off the baseline and you can then come in and just hit a short volley in the court. And you know what the funny thing is? Even me as a baseliner... It, the volley and net points tend to be the most important exactly. in the match. You have a five-all break point and all of a sudden you're at the net because the other one is choking and is giving you a short ball and you have no choice and those are the most... So even for a baseliner, the most important point happened to be, for some reason, a stupid smash, a stupid volley. You've only played five of those yeah. in the in the And they're all match. on big points. And they're all on big points and if you have a good technique, you're going to make it and if you practice it you're gonna make it because you have done it in practice and what you do in practice you're gonna do in matches exactly. and if you don't if you just hit like two volleys and then smash how and many then times go back, do you hit with girls that do that i know so many that's why i'm mentioning it then you're probably not gonna make it yeah how do you expect to get better as a volleyer or moving transitionally forward if you don't practice transitional movement into the net and volleys and basic technique on volleys i yeah. see these girl these women on the tour that literally cannot volley at all. But also the men, go, the new men. Yeah. Except for Tsitsipas, Zverev cannot play a volley to save his life. Well, I'll give Zverev He's working on it. Yeah, but... But still, in true. the beginning, when he was coming up, he couldn't. you just had to play a short slice and get him into the net, and the point was over. Yeah. And the young guy, even on the guys, it's not a strictly girls thing. On the guys, it's too, true. the young guys who are coming up. And those guys, like... Tsitsipas, like Ali Asim, like Zverev, they have huge serves. We have to get into Zverev's serve. What is happening there? I don't know. He you has tell me. the yips. Yeah. Ali Asim also, I, I, as much as I love him, I think one of his issues is going to be the same. That's a problem. That's a, If you're not winning, the guys need their serves. Like, Definitely. I mean, yeah, more than us because we can still somehow manage and we're good returners, the girls. and Well, no, because if you don't serve well as a guy, you're playing against guys that do serve well. So yeah. you're going to get chopped two and two. If you That's lose true. your serve like twice a set, you're fucked. Like you have no chance. I mean, you're playing against guys like Roger or, you know, Isner, Medvedev yeah. and Isner and these guys and Sitsipas. They're holding serve. So you have zero chance in men's tennis if you don't serve well. Unless you're the greatest retriever of all time. Even Schwartzman has a decent serve for a guy who's yeah, like that's true. tiny. Um, um, that's crazy. We're getting way off track. I feel like are... this is going to be a three-hour podcast. No, but I think it's important <laughs> for people to understand like you know, all the little nuances that went on at the US Open. I mean, what happened with Grigor, a guy that's yes. been struggling. Nice to see him oh, battle that through. Oh, beautiful. And... I'm so glad for him. Yeah, I mean, I was really happy. I mean, you know, one of the classiest things I did see was... Roger finished that match, and there's no question that he was he was hurt. bothered in the fifth yeah. set, um, and he finished that match out like he was, you know, hitting balls and coming and running to the net mm-hmm. and like on crazy shit. And I think it was that just showed a lot of class of him yeah. to finish that match out and let and actually give Grigor the feeling of winning that match. And I think it, Roger is unique in that. Um, in that part, not maybe unique, but he's very special when it comes to... I think he follows the stories around. Yeah. I think he was aware that Grigor has had a really tough time. Yeah. And that he he 
felt obliged to finish that match. Yeah. And that's what I like about Roger. He seems to be following the stories oh, that yeah. happen. He knows everything. He knows everything. Yeah. And he takes it into the equation. He thinks about this and he and he acts on it. And that's what is really beautiful to I see. I think that he's really going to struggle. I think I said that he still has a hangover from Wimbledon. Mm. I think that him not winning that Wimbledon match against uh, Novak, I think that I think that's going to be really hard for him to recover from. I think he showed that in the first few rounds when he lost his first set a couple times. I don't think he was. I don't think he's recovered from that match. I don't mm. know if he'll ever recover from that match because I think that that if he can't win Wimbledon with two set two match points on his own serve, mm. I just don't. I don't know how as someone as great as he is, how hard it would be to win in five sets against these players anymore. How, that's going to be difficult to get over. But let's hope he does because you know we love him. have to talk about Bianca. We have to talk about and Bianca. her mom. We have to talk about <laughs> and her mom. We want to touch on the fact that Serena made another Grand Slam final, which is just unbelievable. Yes, uh, I don't think she, we give the credit enough to realize like how consistent she's been over the last two years since coming she's back. She's been the most consistent Grand I mean, Slam player on the women's side. Yeah, she just can't close the deal. This is yeah. four Grand Slam finals mm-hmm. now. Um, I think she's traumatized. That's my. I think we talked. We briefly touched on it yesterday. Yeah. I think she lost. I think in the first match she wasn't ready to be back yet. She had a very favorable draw when she got into the finals, at and then Wimbledon. she got at Wimbledon, and um, then she got smoked by Angie. She, but didn't, play well. she didn't play well. Exactly. She still, played, but Angie. she still. She just came back. She yeah. just came back. There's like no joke. reproaches made. It was unbelievable that she made it in the. Uh, then she was at the US Open. She was already playing a much better, but she was still not as physically fit, I think, yeah. as she is now. And then, I think she was outplayed in the final, certainly at the beginning. I mean, she had not really experienced... She'd lost to Naomi early in the year, but mm-hmm. Naomi was playing unbelievable, and she was serving huge. Yeah. And if you, to beat Serena, you have to be able to serve really yes. well, and you've got to stay with her on serve, and you've got to put pressure on her, her service games. And every match that she's lost, you know, has been against somebody like that. Other than Vinci, but I think that was just overwhelming. Yeah. Going for the calendar Grand for the Slam, grand, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and Vinci was coming in and not giving yes. a lot of rhythm, yeah. and like we said, serving and volleying mm-hmm. and all the stuff that you don't see very often. Um, I, look, I, she played unbelievable after the McNally match, mm-hmm. which I think woke her up a little bit. Um, she played unbelievable. She played unbelievable against Sharapova. I mean, in the she first played unbelievable match. against Svitolina. I mean, it was yes. a joke. And Svitolina was playing well. Yeah. Wang, that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. But in the final, the first game told the story. When she double folded that game away, I mm. went, I literally looked um, uh, to my girlfriend and literally said, This is not good. But back to Bianca. Yes. Bianca won. BDE. BDE <laughs> won her first round at the US Open, and I walked past her. And I said, hey, well done. I said, one down. We both said, six to go. <laughs> I mean, it, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, yeah. like, she had the, the balls, balls to say, let's yeah. finish this tournament And now. that's, I think, what defines, obviously, she has the game. That's, I mean, that's a prerequisite if you want to win slams. She has the game. She plays also differently yep. than other girls. She has a slice. She has the drop shot. She has a heavy forehand. She doesn't always go for the big shot. She mm-hmm. sometimes lifts it. Then she goes for it. She's a great mover. Her, her legs, are, she's so deep all yeah. the time. Yeah. She's quick into the court. She sees the short balls. Yeah. She's able to retrieve. When she doesn't play well, what I really like, when she doesn't play well, she finds a way to win. Yeah. She adjusts her game. She tries something new. Yeah. She finds her way into yeah. matches. Yeah. That's what I really like. But what defines her right now at this age what Angie called her a drama queen in the best possible way. She loves the big stage. Yeah. She loves going out there. She loves, she does, it doesn't matter if the audience is on her side, like in Toronto or against her. I mean, you've said that was the loudest you've ever heard a I've crowd I've never be. heard a crowd. I was courtside for the match. I have never heard a crowd that loud in, and I've been in some pretty big matches yeah. in my life. She sat down at 5-4, and I swear to you on my life, she turned around and looked at the crowd, like as if something was happening in the crowd behind yeah. her. Like, that's the moment where you sit down and you go, all right, come on, I'm back in this match, focus. No, she was like looking around like, what the hell, what's going on? It's like, no, Serena, they're yelling for you. 
like she thought something was happening in the crowd. Yeah. It was the most surreal, unbelievable situation. I literally was sitting there going, "This is unfucking believable." Mm-hmm. This the sound and the noise in there it was crazy. In the middle of the points, they were screaming out if a ball was close to the line. Yeah. I mean, when Bianca lost the game at five four, she put both fingers to her ears. Wow. Yeah, literally just like just silence the crowd in her head. It was unbelievable. And at five all, Serena just stopped hitting the ball again and got she, tight. And she nervous. got tight, yeah. And Bianca just made her play. She made her play. She's smart, this girl. I like how smart she is. I like her court intelligence, her how she plays. Um, and I love, I have to say, I love, I'm tired, not tired, that's maybe the wrong word, but I don't want to see those, and it's, for every athlete because social media scrutiny has become so hard media scrutiny has become so hard i don't want to see those humble champions anymore i they are all there yeah like, i'm just happy to be here i just want to play my yeah, best yeah, yeah, yeah. we all say i do the same thing because i know if i say i want to win this match against serena and then i get smoked one and oh everyone will laugh at me yeah, yeah. and rightfully so yeah. but bianca doesn't have that she goes out there she gets big makes big speech big words and she backs it up mm-hmm. and she's out there and she owns it and i love that and i love to see different faces different things and that's great and that's probably the thing that impresses me the most and that i love most to see that she's out there and she's like whatever i'm let's gonna go. sit. yes let's, let's go. go bring it on but i mean she look she's talked um openly about the fact that she's meditated since she was young mm-hmm. which is was huge and when you see her put the towel over her head that's what she's doing right she's doing many meditations in that 90 seconds that she gets in the changeovers um, and I think that really helps her because it brings you back to the now. Yes. Stop thinking about what happened. Because if you, honest to God, the fact that she could recover from a set and five one up to win a slam, yeah. serving for the match at, at five, nineteen one, years old, at nineteen, or and then all of a sudden it goes. The crowd is the most ridiculously loud crowd, crazy, out of control, amazing, but wow. And you're able to actually at five all go. Okay, let's reset mm-hmm. and let's get back onto this was unbelievable. That Most was really people would have fallen apart. Even though Serena made a bunch of errors in that game, she still made Serena play. Yes. And some people might not have even been able to hit the ball in the court. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know? absolutely. So you've got to have some seriously you know, great ability to be able to handle adversity, and she did that. And she, and she had a winner on match point. She did. And let's just talk about Mama. I think she inherited from her mom because you can see mom is there to represent. She has got the outfits. Fashion correspondent Petco is very happy. She has got the style. She doesn't care. No emotion. Her daughter like, just won the first set and the biggest... Not even a golf clap. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you can see where she gets her chill from. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I mean, that was, that was so great to see. Coco the dog. Coco the dog, she loves the big stage, she's there to represent, and she's bringing the outfits, as I said, she's bringing the outfits, she's bringing the, the sunglasses, hair. she's bringing the hair, everything is on point, not everything has to be your style, but she's there, and she's representing in the box, and I'm here for it, yes. <laughs> we have to talk about Liskova, I know you want to stay neutral, because you coached her, and I appreciate that, but she has what Svitolina had. Every tournament, mm. Mm. every pre-tournament talk that I hear is Pliskova is going to win it. Pliskova is one of the favorites. She's playing in the tour. She's dominating the tour. Every tournament she plays, she plays at least finals, wins it. And in dominating fashion, she comes to the slams and she can't quite back it up. What is going on there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, well, I'm not coaching her anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, with <laughs> no. you, she did no, the no, semi. No. She made the semi no. at, at Australian yeah. Open. Yeah, well, and you know, to be honest with you, she was so close to winning that tournament. Like, you know, oh, what are you saying? She lost in the semis. Well, because she, you know, break point. I think at two or one all in the third, if she breaks it against Osaka. I think she wins that match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Naomi really should have put it away in two and didn't. And I think. Um, uh, Carolina hadn't lost to Naomi at that point and I think Naomi was a little mentally didn't think she could beat Carolina right. so um, you know it would have been a, you know a really tough final to play Kvitova in the final two Czechs playing each other right. it was never fun especially those two being so dominant in their countries over the last yeah. few years so it would have been an interesting match emotionally I think for her in the final but you know she came so close and she obviously came within two holds of serve against Kerbo like three years ago at the US Open yes. up a break in the third that, that was her first that was, final, and that's where she was closest, probably. Yeah. Oh, 100%. She yeah. won Cincinnati. She beat Venus and Serena back to back there in unbelievable matches. So I don't know. It's just, you know, it sometimes with a player like that, it just clicks at the right time. Right. So maybe it's just going to click for her at the right time, like it did for, you know, players that won late, like Alina, yeah. you know, or someone like that. I think she's got, she's had tough draws at, at times. 
Um, but yeah, I think you know the U.S. Open. I think that was uh, from her standpoint to lose to Conta was pretty disappointing. Even though yeah. Joe's can be so dangerous, so yeah. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. It's and, but do you do you think that um, I mean it's a two week thing? A, yeah, and you've been around her for a while, so you haven't been around her through tons of slams, but you've been around. It, does she because she seems like a very stress free player mm. that doesn't let um, stress get to her too much. Maybe like others, does she? feel the stress during slams though and that just gives her a little edge on her on her game because she is a very flowy player right all her strokes flow beautifully her mm -hmm. serve flow, flows beautifully and i saw against Kanta in the most important moments she couldn't put the first serve in she was trying to muscle it which yeah. is not her game so maybe she's just so relaxed and then in the slams she just feels the extra amount of stress yeah. uh, do you think it's Probably. more the two-week thing or i think it could be a combination of both to mm -hmm. be honest and I think that, you know, you come up against players later on in Grand Slams that have won three or four matches and everybody's good at that Everyone point. Everyone is playing you know, well, So you've yeah. got to bring your best tennis. And sometimes you have to dig out a holes. You mm -hmm. know, look at how many players. Look at Bianca. I mean, she she could have lost. Yeah, she should have lost to Mertens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's down a set and a break against Mertens. Yeah. She's down, you know, she had a tough match. She was in three sets against Taylor Townsend. Yes. You know, I mean... Bloody hell, Sloane Stevens won the US Open two years ago, three years ago, or whatever it was, two or three years ago. Fuck, she won every match in like three sets, it felt like. Angie I mean, Kerber, I mean, the first Kerber's slam she won points. was down match point against Sometimes, Doyle in the first round. You just got to dig out of a yeah. hole. I don't think this is over. I think Kaya will still win a slam. I, I hope so. But it's been, to me, it's been interesting to see that, especially this and last well, year. She's been really number one as well. Yes, and also this and last year, especially, I feel like she has made a step forward and she has been winning those big, big titles, yeah. right? She smoked well, everyone in Eastbourne. she's digging out of holes in tournaments. She's yes. She's dig out of the holes in slams. slams. So, so we'll see. Yeah, of course. I mean, I would love to see her win a slam. I think her, Svitolina... And maybe Madison Keys is in is third on that mm -hmm. list of players that have won big tournaments, that have won tournaments, yes. that have gotten close in slams, that have the game. Right. I mean, Carolina and Maddie have huge games. Yes. They can put it together, then they can win a slam. And Svitolina has a game where she can frustrate you, and when she plays great, yeah. she's gonna. You have to play great to beat her. So hopefully the three of them. But isn't it unbelievable? We still have those three that have won a slam. Yes. That, have won numbers of tournaments. And they must be smoking, but they can also add pressure, I can assume. If you For see sure. those little 19, 20-year-olds playing the semis and winning slams, and then you're out there and you're like, I've been around for years, and yeah. why haven't I won a slam? Yeah, well, sometimes it takes people a little bit longer. Mm. Speaking of longer, can we just add to this little um, tidbit of the US Open? We're going to finish with the women and say it was an unbelievable tournament. Yes. Can I just say, also from ESPN standpoint, the ratings for the women's final were through the roof. Through the roof. Our peak was 3.9, which is unbelievable. I think the, believe that the men topped off at 3.1. Okay. Uh, obviously, a lot longer, Matt, so it's yes. a sustainable. But peaking is right. where you peak. Yes. Women's peaked at 3.9, which is unbelievable numbers. That just shows you the, the power of Serena Williams. Um, but unbelievable. But the announcement of Kim Kleist is coming back. <laughs> oh, my God. What about that? Okay, let me just say... I've played with her many times against and with in the in the we call them the Invitational Legends matches at the Australian Open at Wimbledon. And I can tell you that Kim still hits the ball exactly the same. It's right. unbelievable how pure her ball is. Yeah. I mean you played her in an exhibition in a tournament that you yeah. were in the final at and she's still in the ball unbelievable yes. without even practicing. Yes. I mean, she's still she's as athletic as ever. She needs to lose weight. She knows that. She needs to get in better shape. She knows that it's going to take two or three months, mm -hmm. which is exactly what she's planning on doing. She's even, even, and she'll tell you, uh, she, she doesn't mind me, to, I'm sure she won't mind telling this, <laughs> in the locker room at the US Open, she said to me, oh my God, one of the ladies who's been in the locker room for, forever said to her, oh girl, you're looking juicy. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, and I said, that's hilarious. She goes, yeah, that was crazy. I said, yeah, thanks, you know. But you know, she knows she's got to get in better shape. But even looking juicy, she still moves unbelievably well. This I do. I mean, I, we talked about it a little bit before. I'm a little bit more. First of all, can we please? Well, you're talk? German, because you're pragmatic. I'm very pragmatic. I'm like, why would she, that was my first thought? Yeah. Why would she threaten her legacy? But what does threatening her legacy mean? Well, in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe it's 
probably in 20 years it won't matter but I feel like what if she comes back and she gets injured and it's harder and the girls are playing better and everyone is fit back when she played there were 20 p players I know I played 10 years ago and I won the first three rounds in slams always no matter how bad I was playing now it's not possible anymore because I was much fitter so I would always grind it out and then once I was there I was playing well But I, now, if I don't play well, I lose in the first two rounds. Bam, out, because everyone is fit now. Everyone is playing well. And the only thing that I have, I love the story, and I hope she does well, because she's amazing to watch, and she's always been a great idol of mine. I just hope that if she doesn't make a great comeback, people will not remember her for that. That's what I mean by threaten her legacy. Okay. But we'll still remember for all the amazing things she's done. Because I do think it's harder now than it was five years ago when she came back. I don't disagree. I still think that she, if she's fit, and when she gets fit, because she will get fit, and she can, if she can stay healthy, that's the thing. She's had three kids. Yes. There's a lot of stuff that goes on when you've had three kids. I'm not going to get into too many details, but there were some couple of funny things that happened when we were playing in the Legends at Wimbledon. You know, um, But anyone who's had kids will probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, so she's going to have to work on that core stability. I mean, Serena's, you know, had one child and it's, I think, taken her a good year to even get to that point of being able to move again. Yes. And with the knee, now it's better. She's moving better. Good. I think it's great that she's trying. I agree to some extent. The only thing I have an issue with, what was this? video from the WTA. I thought somebody died. I thought Kim died. She announced that she has cancer. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And when she said I'm coming out, I was like, oh my God, thank God, thank God. I like went to church, lit a candle. I was like, this music, like sad violin music and this like fadeaway shot. It should have been like a, something. like we're in the, yes, it should it should been in the nightclub. Yes. Like, I'm coming back. Like check your audience, WTA. People are pumped for this, not sitting in the corner and crying. I was like, oh my God. That her everyone died. Belgium is not on the map anymore. What has Germany done again? There were so many things that were going through my mind. And when she said, I'm coming back, 10 loads of stones fell off me. I was like, oh my God, wouldn't it have been oh, more appropriate it? to have like Eye of, of the Tiger or something? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Social media team of WTA, I need you to check your audience a all little right, bit all better. All right, we'll, I, we'll, I will work on that for you. We'll work on it. Okay, so... Um, All right, so we're happy that Kim's coming back. God, God love you, Kimmy. Uh, let's hope you don't play Petco in the first round because there'll be some serious pressure on her to fucking win that match, okay? <laughs> there'll be a lot of pressure on somebody to play against her in the first round. I Everyone. Not, I mean, I would shit my pants. No, I would shit my pants, man. Can you imagine? Absolutely. Can you imagine? And you know how many people are like idolized to her will be like, oh, I don't yeah. want to do that. Okay, so Kimmy, good luck, my friend. Who was also, if you haven't heard her on our podcast, she's awesome. So listen to her because she, she tells some great stories. Um, we let's touch on the men a little bit at the U.S. Open. Um, the fact that Roger uh, lost to Grigor, but the, the the Medvedev shit hit the fan early on, and he was a complete, you know, and he'll even talk about it, complete wanker, you know, flipping off the crowd and you know bringing it on, bringing it on. But you know what? Love this guy. My favorite I Russian James Bond villain in the world. He, he reminded me of a musketeer, though, with his beard. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. He looks like a French and musketeer. And his face is a little, a little crooked. Bit, yeah, it's it's like, always like his chin is yeah. a little off. Love and this guy. He did I the best, love him. He did the best loser speech at, at yes. the Washington tournament. Oh, really? Like Already? I so I knew what that. he was capable of doing. And then, the, of course, the speech with Chris McKendry in the final of the US Open was legendary about what were they going to play if I won? Yeah. That was so good, right? But this guy, he's, I mean, personality-wise, you'd be like, oh, I'm not going to root for this guy. He's so boring, right? The way yeah. he plays is kind of weird and yes. like whatever. He's very typical. But you've got to root for this guy now yeah. because he's like, this guy's so interesting and fun and yeah. what's going to happen? I he's mean, kind he of already like, did a few things yeah. that I thought were hilarious, but people were, jumped on him. And he's also had a bit of a spotty past where he yeah. said some things that are not appropriate and yes. not been good. Um, and I hope that he's learned from those experiences because, you know, this is going to be a long career for him and he needs to have the support of the crowds um, behind him. So hopefully he gets that. But, oh, my God, two sets to love, down a break in the third to Rafa. I went to dinner. Really? I went to dinner. <laughs> and I came back and watched the fifth set. It was one of the most amazing matches. Yeah. And I give credit so much to Roger, uh, uh, to Rafa. We already touched upon him serving and bowling. And, like, I'm thinking this guy's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. He wants to win this match. Talk about being clear on knowing what you had to do to win that match. Right. And he looked 
absolutely tapped in the fifth. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was gone. You remember right. the point that he broke? He hit that cross court backhand yes. break. I thought he was going to fall yeah. into the net after the shot. I've never seen Rafa not celebrate a point like because this because he didn't have any energy. He didn't. He was just on his knees, and I thought he, he that's it. That's he just died right now. Yeah, Rest in peace, Rafa. It was nice to have you, but he just died on yeah. court. Probably the best way to go. But, if, but, but I was up was a break. It. But uh, he was up a break, so he's like, ah, I might as well rise from the dead right now. It was. Truly one of the most amazing, great matches that I've ever seen. And and there's no question Rafa relied on the crowd to get him through that match. Oh, yeah. He was done. And you know physically. what the best part was about this match? I was in Boston because I got into this Harvard program oh, for yes. professional Excuse athletes. Me. Sorry, I had to just humble brag. But what I wanted to say is... so. The, we had the dinner and when it was over I checked the score and I see it's in the fifth set and yeah. the same thing it was up Rafa was up we thought it was going to be so quick and so I made all not I me and Caroline basically and Wasn't David Yaki. Lee Caroline was Yaki and David Lee we all basically made all the athletes go to a bar with us to watch this match and it was nobody was drinking nobody was drinking yeah awkward pause <laughs> but there were NBA players NFL players hockey players skiers It was all kinds of athletes, and what I loved most, everyone got so into it, and a bunch of guys and girls said to me, like, oh my god, this is the best sport ever, like, why am I playing basketball, this is the best thing. Granted, not every match goes like this, but it was a good feeling to be one of the tennis players where all the athletes looked like, this is what you do every day, 11 months a year. So true. That is so amazing. And I get goosebumps now when I think of it because we felt so validated in that moment. And it was just a great... And that's what Rafa and guys like Rafa and Roger and everyone else, Bianca, Serena, also our favorite Russian James Bond villain. That's what they provide and that's what they give us. Sports and it's... is the greatest reality TV. Yes, I mean, definitely. you know, I can say that about other sports. When you go and watch other sports, I'm like, oh my God, like ice hockey. And I'm like, oh my God, the sport's the best. You yeah. can't take your eyes off of it. It's unbelievable. No wonder you play. And, you know, just... Yeah, so kudos to sports being the best reality TV. And the US Open this year was phenomenal. Oh, man. It was phenomenal. There's some most amazing some matches. The, can I touch upon, just for a second, because I was also courtside, the Monfils, and my favorite guy in the whole world, oh, Berrettini. Berrettini. Okay, the cutiest of cutie pies. <laughs> that match was a joke. The crowd, that was the second or third loudest crowd other than the two finals. Really? Oh, wow. my God. It was insane. And... You know, everyone's behind Monfils because he just has this great story yeah. and he's so fun to watch and he gets the crowd going. But Berrettini, every now and again, he'd do the same thing and he was like, I'm here too, I'm here and I'm cute and I love this. And, um, <laughs> I'm cute. And I am like this guy who's like, I'm, I'm going to keep digging and I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to smile through it all. I mean, I love this guy. He's going to win a Grand Slam. There's no doubt in my mind. Okay. No doubt. I did say that he will be the first of that young generation to win a Slam. But after seeing Medvedev, what he's done, I think it might be a battle between the two of them. Okay. Because so I, you think he's better than Tsitsipas and Yes, Zverev. I do. I think Tsitsipas has um, some serious emotional problems okay. on the court. I but tennis-wise, I think Tsitsipas no, is the best. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You've got to and be that's able to the ca- thing. handle the, the And that's spotlight. the thing in tennis. It's not about... In tennis, it's not about your skills. It's about... In tennis, it's probably the only sport Excuse me, where talent... Excuse a fucking human backboard, too. He doesn't miss. Yeah, the he doesn't, doesn't miss. But he doesn't play... You would never teach a kid to play like this. No. He's the only one who can play this kind of game. It's the same thing I always say about Del Pacho's forehand. It's the best forehand in the world, but you would never teach yeah, this no, kind of forehand. No. Everyone would be late. Yeah. He has the biggest swing, but yeah. he's never late. Yeah. So technically, in tennis, you could make three well, backflips. Same thing. Same thing. But technically, in tennis, you can make three backflips before a forehand. If you still hit it in front of you yeah. good for you do the fucking backflips yeah go ahead yeah but that's the thing in tennis talent is not only technical skill it's not only coordination skill that's the base of it but then it comes how do you deal with emotions how do you deal with the spotlight how do you deal with uh, how strong are you mentally all these things everything it's you've got to tick every box to be great yes. you know and Above it all, you've got to have a heart of a champion. Mm. And what I saw between, especially with Berrettini, is that, man, he dealt with some adversity because the crowd were definitely for Monfils. Not that they were fully against him. Right. You couldn't be against him because he smiled through the whole thing. That's why I like this guy so much. He actually has such a great perspective mm-hmm. on tennis. Right. You know, kind of like... You, you just gotta love that about him. He actually loves the, the, the he's Italian like yeah, gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, mom, bring it on, bring on the noise. 
I love the way he reacted because the guy double folded on match point and it was the ugliest double fold. You know what he did? He turned around and laughed. Like he turned around and laughed like I'm that fucking terrible. <laughs> but that's right? you know what and it... he kept going and mm. he kept going and he kept going and he, you know what? He's the one that played the better tie break in the fifth yes. set. And I love this guy. He will definitely, in my opinion, he's talk about a big forehand. Holy right. shit! Right. His forehand is huge. Mm. He's got a huge serve. He will develop. I think he will be even better player in two or three years' time. But there's no doubt in my mind he can win a slam. He can win I, the French. I hope so because honestly, the Italian, um, the Italian tennis audience is one of the best. I yeah. love playing in Rome so much, and they deserve an Italian champion that they deserve, you know? Especially and one that it's that man. Nice. Yeah, especially, but also, you know, we had such great female yeah. Italian champions. Yeah. And then the man, I mean, Fabio Fognini is incredibly talented, but they are so whiny. Like, get it together, guys, you know? You always see him crying and complaining. And yeah. Well, this guy, no. This and that's what I, I like because I saw his match, and I didn't see him here, but I saw him in Wimbledon where he got smoked by yeah. Federer. Yeah. Smoke and not once did he like look out to the box no. and like complain and like no. what am I doing and he's playing so well like why am I here he was just like trying to do his best and it didn't happen that day but now he comes back and he makes the yep. semis was it semis right or quarters uh, no semis semis against yeah Nadal. so and he comes back and he bounces back from that and, and he's played great against Nadal. he's just he, but the, he's the type of guy that goes oh I'm gonna learn from that I'm gonna learn from that exactly and move on. so watch out for him at the Australian Open um, but I want to get into just the last couple because we've got uh, we've only got a couple minutes left because we've uh, Talk too long. Talked ad nauseum as per usual. Wait, is there a... I thought podcasts can go on for 17 hours. They can if they want to. We can do part one and two if we want. Um, uh-huh. That's going to be up to our uh, executive producer, Kate One Thompson. She's even she's even has control over us and yeah. we're like three worlds away. The reason she has control over us is that I have no freaking idea how to put this online. I just oh, right. send her the, the, thing. The, the thing and she puts it up, uh, uploads it. And she edits all our fucks Which is and why shits says, away. co-host and editor. Or what does she call it? Yeah, producer. editor. Oh, producer, maybe. I love, by the way, Caitlin, I love the way when she's like, this has been the Racket Magazine podcast of this week. Your host, Renee Stubbs, your co-host. She does this weird voice that she never speaks in. It's like way deeper because normally she always speaks like this. We never hear her talk like that. (laughs) Does she do it when she's drunk? That's the question I'm asking. Well, she speaks always French when she's drunk. So I, yeah. But also like really weird French that nobody understands because I speak French, French, but I don't understand what she's saying. It's the French Canadian that comes out. All right, um... Pre-match interviews, somebody said they want to, to get to get rid of them. So do I, but yes. um, TV love Well, them. listen, you know what? I said in the last year of my career, one day when I have a pre-match interview, I'm just going to be like fully honest. Just put it all. You know when you come out there and they're like, so how did you prepare for this match? And you go like, honestly, not great. Didn't sleep, had diarrhea all night. Feel terrible. Honestly, I just hope I can hold it in today. Maybe if one player would say that, maybe they would get rid of these interviews. Well, yeah. Well, there you go, players. I'm throwing it out there for the pre-match interviews. Well, um, also your former pupil, I might say, or student, Kaya Pliskova. She's too honest. Oh, man. Last year at Indian Wells, or was it two years ago, when she lost in the semis to Kuznetsova? That yeah. was two years ago in Vesina yeah. one. I've never seen anything like the pre-match interview, and I think it was Pam Shriver goes like, "So Kaya, we all know you're the ace queen. What is your favorite serve?" And she goes like, "Oh, I, in, no." She said like, "In the most important moments, I always said serve down the tee." And Svetlana was already on court, and they show her, and you could see her like unpacking her back and just going like, "Huh? Did she just say that?" And the worst part of that. Kuznetsova won 7-5, 7-5, two breaks, and she broke both times when she like Come closed the cover, the tea. fucking tea that Pliskova mentioned. The pre- and I was like, maybe this is coincidence, but maybe, Kaya, I appreciate your honesty. But Button it up. I kind of love that. I love hearing I it, but it's yeah. sometimes it's just self-destructive. All right, a lot of people ask about the Asian swing, how difficult it is after the slams. I can tell you from my perspective as a former player, it sucks, and mm-hmm. it's really tough to be here for three or four weeks after. I did enjoy going to the indoors in Europe yeah, and enjoying that moment but you know it's a bit of a you know nothing against uh, obviously anywhere in Asia but oh, oh honestly road. I it's think tough. it's not it's really they have a tough standing with the um, with the calendar with the yeah. schedule of yeah. the calendar I think every player after the US Open after the last slam in just the year feels just a big huge void and emptiness inside of themselves because 
the you feel slams, like, what am I playing for? Yes, the slams are the tournaments you prepare for. And I wish the other tournaments would gain more importance. Now, there are really important tournaments after the US Open. Yeah. But in a player's mind, it's just, I prepared for the slams. And especially if you done bad at the slams beforehand and you want to put it all out in the, in the US Open and you emotionally gather yourself. And then when it's over, there's a big hole after that. So just by pure scheduling, it's a bitch for Asia and... Um, and so, and then most of the players, uh, I think the Asian players love it probably because that's yeah, the one time they get to go home and good for them because, but for most of the players who are European and America, it's a long way and the jet lag kills us. Cool. But you know, I wanted to say that earlier and it's a good time to, to butt in on that. Um, when we talked about Coco Golf, Serena and Venus were the first generation to profit off the age eligibility rule because yeah. if you come to think of it, they were already amazing when they were 15, 16 and they couldn't play as many tournaments and look where they are now, 38, yeah. 37, 39, still playing, still playing amazing. Mm -hmm. So maybe this age eligibility rule really did favor favor the young players. Who no was, question, look at yeah. the ones that came before that, that struggled. Yes, Jennifer Capriati's, you know, the Andrea Yeagers, the Tracy Austin's, yes. all one num ranked number one or two or three in the world. When they you were know, 14, winning 15, slams 16, yeah. and um, getting to finals of slams. It quit I mean, Tracy when Austin quit with 21, 22? Yeah, like, it's uh, crazy. Mm, yeah, something like that. But, I mean, this, this is nuts. Like, so, you know, for people that say, oh, you know, you're stopping a player from making a living, it's like, calm the fuck down. Like, mm. I think she's fine with the sponsors also. Yeah, I mean, they're going to play until they're in their late 30s. Yeah. You know, this is a long career ahead, and it's a lot, lot of tennis, and it's a it's a struggle, man, every year to play 10 months of the year. Mm. So I think it's fine. If you're good enough, you're going to be good enough for a long time. Look at Kim Kleiss. She's coming back for the third time mm -hmm. at 36. It's, it's, you're fine. And if you're if good, she comes you're back um, fourth time, please make a better video WTA. Not oh. a better, just different music. Just to, Don't scare the shit out of me. Basically, Jesus you want to have full control of my Kim's, Kim's fourth comeback. Yes, and I also want to have full control over my emotions because I can't deal with that, okay? That's good. Uh, just to touch upon why the 30 is the new 20, it, it's because there's a lot more money you can afford to travel with, you know, a physio yes. or somebody helping you. And, and I think that the game, because of the money, you, you can play a little bit longer and people want to play longer and they realize, oh, someone can do it at 35, so can I. So you don't mm -hmm. just go to 30 now and go, oh, it's time to quit. Well, and I think a lifestyle has just um, adjusted to the tennis, right? Everyone is watching what they eat now. Everyone is um, taking care of sleeping enough, taking care of their jet lag, scheduling better, having better advisors. As you said, physiotherapy has evolved. Training off the court has evolved. I remember... 10, 15, 20 years ago, even Steffi, she was probably the first one who did things in the gym. But everyone else was I'm just hitting. The, okay, but everyone was just hitting tons of balls, but yeah. not doing anything in the gym, and then would get injured. And yeah. nowadays, you do your prevention, you do exercises for your shoulders and back. And yeah, I think about someone like Steffi. I think that somebody, Steffi would have maybe had an even longer career if she'd taken a little bit better care of her body because she was mm. just beat up like, yeah. big time. But I think that's also just her nature was to go 100 miles an hour with yeah. everything. Doubles, about picking doubles uh, partners. Um, it's just kind of, I think it's a little bit of a, if you like somebody, you know, maybe you talk to them as a friend. Um, that can happen. Also, what are their rankings? That matters. You know, if someone has the same ranking as you, you can get in on a singles ranking as well. So you have to combine those things. It's kind of a little bit complicated to get in on it, but I think overall you just want to play with people that you like. Yeah, you and know, I overall. think um, what's showing now that a lot of singles players want to play with singles players and doubles players tend to play with doubles players yeah. just because I think I know from my perspective... I, there are tournaments in the year where it's just too much and I don't want to play doubles. Other tournaments, two-week tournaments where I would want to play, but then if I get far in singles, I might want to yeah. take it easy on the doubles and I think another singles player understands that better. Yeah. Plus, it's not their whole livelihood. Yeah. Whereas if you have... I did play with doubles players in the past. You felt responsible. And I felt so responsible. And I played terribly because I just felt so much pressure for them because that was the only thing they had. Yeah. And um, at least in singles, you're the only one to blame if you lose, right? Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, I messed it up. Fuck, shit. And you go off and you cry a Is little. You, you cry yourself to sleep and then you go on and do it the next. But in the doubles, it's not only up to you. It's yeah. up to your partner a yeah. little bit too. So that was uh, so much pressure for me, man. It was more pressure than all the semifinals in the slams I did. One. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, 
I think we've spoken enough. I think we've answered most questions that people uh, said to us. Um, we can get into these questions if uh, people are interested in a maybe separate podcast a little bit longer. But I really like, I really thought we had to dig into this year's opening because they were so phenomenal this year. Yeah, like, oh my God. so phenomenal. And nobody talked about how well I did. Oh, yeah. oh that's <laughs> right, you did. You had an upset win in the first round against Petra Kvitova. You had the greatest... Um, uh, uh, what, what do we call them? Posse. Yes. Uh, ragtag. Um, what did I call them? I wild cards. The, all of wild cards. You had the most unbelievable crew of people. You had the band Tennis watching you. Literally, mm-hmm. there's a band called Tennis yeah. that were watching you. That are awesome. Um, you had the Brooklyn like Rugrats. You had the East Village Rugrats. You had everyone there cheering for you. So you had quite the fun. Oh man! And this, what I really loved this year. Both women and men had amazing stories. Because the last few um, slams, the men were a little boring with the yeah, three. I mean, were. if you didn't have the Wimbledon finals with between Roger and Djokovic, that would have been the most boring yeah. Grand Slam. And actually, the men's I was boring ever. up until about mm, the beginning of the second week. It was, And that's it. So it was really exciting. We're going to have to have a depression now for a couple of months waiting for the Australian Open. And we'll get all those great storylines again. So all, yeah. for all our Racket Magazine podcast fans... Petco is not going to do a fashion correspondence for China because she might be politically incorrect <laughs> uh, or she's a little tired and we've gone on too long. But maybe she will definitely do one at some stage, possibly in Australia. Um, but thank you, Andrea Petkovic, for joining me as your as my co-host. This is this me, Caitlin Thompson, your co-host and producer and editor. This is us making fun. Cheers! Cheers! deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.